Field School is one of the anthropology department's most popular courses and, as usual, was enrolled to capacity. My colleague's unexpected departure sent the chair into a panic. He begged that I take over. The students are counting on it. I returned to my roots. Two weeks at the beach, extra pay. I thought he was going to throw in a Buick. I'd suggested Dan Jaffer a bioarchaeologist and my professional counterpart with the medical examiner coroner system in the Great Palmetto State to our south. I pleaded possible cases at the ME office in Charlotte or at the Laboratoire de Sciences Judiciaires et de Médecine Légale in Montreal, the two agencies for which I regularly consult. The chair gave it a shot. Good idea, bad timing. Dan Jaffer was on his way to Iraq. I'd contacted Jaffer, and he'd suggested Dewey's as an excavation possibility. A burial ground was slated for destruction, and he'd been trying to forestall the bulldozers until the site's significance could be ascertained. Predictably, the developer was ignoring his requests. I'd contacted the Office of the State Archaeologist in Columbia, and, on Dan's recommendation, they'd accepted my offer to dig some test trenches, thereby greatly displeasing the developer. And here I was, with twenty undergraduates. And on our thirteenth and penultimate day, plankton brain. My patience was fraying like an overused rope. Naim? Winborn might have been asking about grass seed. I fought back the urge to walk away. Give him what he wants, I told myself. He'll leave, or with luck, die from the heat. Temperance Brennan. Temperance? Amused. Yes, Homer? Winborn shrugged. Don't hear that name so much. I'm called Tempe. Like the town in Utah. Arizona. Right. What kind of Indians? Probably Sui. How'd you know stuff was here? Through a colleague at USC Columbia. How'd he know? He spotted small mounds while doing a survey after the news of an impending development was announced. Winborn took a moment to make notes in a spiral. Or maybe he was buying time to come up with his idea of an insightful question. In the distance, I could hear student chatter and the clatter of buckets. Overhead, a gull called and another answered. Mounds? No one was going to shortlist this guy for a Pulitzer. Following closure of the graves, shells and sand were heaped on top. What's the point in digging them up? That was it. I hit the little cretin with the interview terminator. Jargon. Burial customs aren't well known for aboriginal southeastern coastal populations, and this site could substantiate or refute ethno-historic accounts. Many anthropologists believe the Sui were part of the Kusabo group, According to some sources, Kasabo funerary practices involved defleshing of the corpse, then placement of the bones in bundles or boxes. Others describe the scaffolding of bodies to allow decomposition prior to burial in common graves. Holy crap, that's gross. More so than draining the blood from a corpse and replacing it with chemical preservatives, injecting waxes and perfumes and applying makeup to simulate life, then interring in airtight coffins and vaults to forestall decay? Winborn looked at me as though I'd spoken Sanskrit. 
Who does that? We do. So what are you finding? Bones. Just bones? The tick was now crawling up Winborn's neck. Give a heads up? Screw it. The guy was irritating as hell. I launched into my standard cop and coroner spiel. The skeleton paints a story of an individual, sex, age, height, ancestry, in certain cases, medical history or manner of death. Pointedly glancing at my watch, I followed with my archaeological shtick. Ancient bones are a source of information on extinct populations, how people lived, how they died, what they ate, what diseases they suffered. Winborn's gaze drifted over my shoulder. I turned. Topher Burgess was approaching, various forms of organic and inorganic debris pasted to his sunburned torso. Short and plump, with knit cap, wire rims, and mutton-chop sideburns, the kid reminded me of an undergraduate Smee. Old one intruding into three east. I waited, but Topher didn't elaborate. Not surprising. On exams, Topher's essays often consisted of single-sentence answers, illustrated. Odd, I coaxed. It's articulated. A complete sentence. Gratifying, but not enlightening. I curled my fingers in a give-me-more gesture. We're thinking intrusive. Topher shifted his weight from one bare foot to another. It was a lot to shift. I'll check it out in a minute. Topher nodded, turned, and trudged back to the excavation. What's that mean, articulated? The tick had reached Winborn's ear and appeared to be considering alternate routes. Improper anatomical alignment. It's uncommon with secondary burials, corpses put into the ground after the loss of flesh. The bones are usually jumbled, sometimes in clumps. Occasionally, in these communal graves, one or two skeletons will be articulated. Why? Could be a lot of reasons. Maybe someone died immediately before closure of a common pit. Maybe the group was moving on, didn't have time to wait out decomposition. A full ten seconds of scribbling, during which the tick moved out of sight. Intrusive. What's that mean? A body was placed in the grave later. Would you like a closer look? It's what I'm living for. Putting Hanky to forehead, Winborn sighed as if he were on stage. I crumbled. There's a tick in your collar. Winborn moved faster than it seemed possible for a man of his bulk to move, yanking his collar, doubling over, and batting his neck in one jerk. The tick flew to the sand and righted itself, apparently used to rejection. I set off. Skirting clusters of sea oats, their tasseled heads motionless in the heavy air. Only May, and already the mercury was hitting ninety. Though I loved the low country, I was glad I wouldn't be digging here into the summer. I moved quickly, knowing Winborn wouldn't keep up. Mean? Yes. But time was short. I had none to waste on a dullard reporter. And I was conscience clear on the tick.
Some student's boombox pounded out a tune I didn't recognize by a group whose name I didn't know and wouldn't remember if told. I'd have preferred seabirds and surf, though today's selections were better than the heavy metal the kids usually blasted. Waiting for Winborn, I scanned the excavation. Two test trenches had already been dug and refilled. The first had yielded nothing but sterile soil. The second had produced human bone, early vindication of Jaffer's suspicions. Three other trenches were still open. At each, students worked trowels, hauled buckets, and sifted earth through mesh screens resting on sawhorse supports. Topher was shooting pictures at the easternmost trench. The rest of his team sat cross-legged, eyeing the focus of his interest. Winborn joined me on the cusp between panting and gasping. Mopping his forehead, he fought for breath. Hot day, I said. Winborn nodded, face the color of raspberry sherbet. You okay? Peche. I was moving toward Topher when Winborn's voice stopped me. We got company. Turning, I saw a man in pink polo shirt and khaki pants hurrying across, not around the dunes. He was small, almost child-size, with silver-gray hair buzzed to the scalp. I recognized him instantly. Richard L. Dicky Dupree, entrepreneur, developer, and all-around sleaze. Dupree was accompanied by a basset, whose tongue and belly barely cleared the ground. First a journalist, now Dupree. This day was definitely heading for the scrap heap. Ignoring Winborn, Dupree bore down on me with the determined self-righteousness of a Taliban mullah. The basset hung back to squirt a clump of sea oats.